with it being training camp week, it's time to do a, how did we get here? Arizona Cardinals 2023 offseason edition. Let's discuss. You are locked on Cardinals. Your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Your team every day. Alex Clancy here. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. Thank you for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen each and every day, free and available on all platforms. Clancy's Corner on Twitter. Like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You know the drill, everydayers. This is what we're doing. We finally made it through. We are so close to football. It's crazy how the offseason is like, well, uh, the next season is never going to come. May as well hibernate for eight months. And then you realize that you're closer to the start of the next season than you are from the end of the last season. And we're here. And training camp is upon us. And I felt like instead of diving in to the biggest storylines of training camp today, I'm going to save that because I think it'd be nice to do a hard reset. See how far we've come just experiencing what happened in Arizona Cardinals land pretty much since the end of last season and where we are now as we look towards the, the uncertain future for 2023. I'm going to break this up into a couple different segments here. Okay, first, the old regime. What went well, what didn't go well, and why we're here. The new regime. What has gone well, what are, what's still unknown, and what is trending towards going better than what we witnessed in the last regime. And then finally, kind of just ready, set, without the go, as it pertains to going into training camp. And there's a couple things that, and, and listen, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. I'm not, I, I don't want to do this first segment really, but it's part of the story of this off season. So it needs to be discussed, but really it's just the springboard for all the positive that, that have happened afterwards, because say what you want about Michael Bidwell and there's plenty to say, and it's not so great, especially with treatment of employees, the report card, all of those things that we've seen this off season. He's done everything he said he was going to do after letting go of Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury. So what we've experienced the last four seasons with this dynamic duo because of the alliteration and me being lazy only, am I using those two words back to back? But what we've witnessed is just, you know, dysfunction, underwhelming performances to people who didn't deserve to be in the positions that they were in. And again, this isn't a direct attack on Steve Kime as a person or Cliff Kingsbury. These are the avatars that are the GM and head coach or former of the Arizona Cardinals. What was built from those two while having incredible peaks, just unbelievable peaks, the Hale Murray starting six and three, starting seven and zero and 10 and two the next year, Ended in the same spot. Disappointment. Well, aren't there great victories to be had when growing and having a young quarterback kind of coming into his own, being MVP calendar caliber at times? Sure. 
that was Kyler Murray. The lack of coaching, the lack of vision from the GM, and the band-aiding and super-gluing the foundation that was severely cracked just finally caught up with him. Steve Keim left the Arizona Cardinals in shambles without a contingency plan. And that's why we're here now. Cliff Kingsbury did not deserve to be a head coach in the NFL. He had never won anywhere else. So say what you want if you're not a Kyler Murray fan. Cliff Kingsbury did not deserve a head coaching position. That's why he took an offensive coordinator position in college. Because even he knew. Chance of him going to the NFL and being a head coach were slim and none. Lo and behold, Steve Kime, I'm the smartest person in the room. I'm going to do something drastic that nobody else has done. There's a reason why nobody else has done it. So while there were incredibly great times over the last four years, most of them were predicated upon the play on the field and not the leadership from the coaching staff or the, or the, or the GM. And that's why we are where we are. And you know what? That's perfectly fine. Because we saw flashes of greatness from Kyler Murray. We've seen flashes of greatness from, from others. We got to watch DeAndre Hopkins play with the Arizona Cardinals for two-plus seasons. We get to see J uh, James Conner and Zach Ertz play with the Arizona Cardinals. Fun to play. Good locker room, guys. They let Chandler Jones walk before it was too late. Marcus Golden had a resurgence after getting traded for a sixth-round pick to come back and play in the desert. There were great stories. But then there were also passing on Tristan Wirfs and, not, and drafting Isaiah Simmons. So we've we've got this whole like hodgepodge of why are we here witnessing the Arizona Cardinals where they are now in a full-blown rock bottom rebuild. It's predominantly because of Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury. And it's not just Cliff Kingsbury's fault over the last four seasons. This is Steve Kime's culmination of his career for 10 years as a GM, finally causing the Cardinals to fall flat on their face. It's not mean. It's just true. It's not mean. It's just what really happened. And it's important to do a full seven or eight minute segment on this to remember why Michael Bidwell had to force his hand and fire probably his best friend or send him to wherever he sent him. And if it's for rehab, it's everything like that. Obviously, the health is the most important thing. Again, this is not a direct attack at the person, Steve Kime. This is the avatar of the GM who was not a good GM. He was the worst drafting GM since he took over in 2013. And he had, I'm smarter than everybody else, over the actual performance and functionality of the organization of which he was the general manager. Now. Michael Bidwell did what needed to be done. He fired two people who had no business being in their jobs the last couple seasons that they were there. I would have fired Cliff Kingsbury after they went from 10 and 2 to the playoff performance of that the Bad News Bears would laugh at. Sure, players were involved. Sure, injuries took place. So that happens with every professional football team. Some overcome, some don't. And now where the Cardinals are, they find themselves in the most exciting time maybe ever for the organization. What do I mean by that? Is that far-fetched? I'll tell you and no. Next, Locked on Cardinals, your team 
every day. This episode of Locked on Cardinals is brought to you by LinkedIn. Now, let me tell you, LinkedIn, I have a soft spot for LinkedIn, okay? I've been searching for what I wanted to do for a long time, and LinkedIn was always my go-to source, okay? And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain we have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free, okay? So it's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn. Bingo, bango, bungo. Then you add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn. The word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experiences so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This is where the fun stuff begins. Locked on Cardinals, your team every day. Everydayers, thank you for being here every day. This is your first listen to Locked on Cardinals. Thank you. Maybe make tomorrow your second. This is a good time to go to the YouTube channel, subscribe, hit a like, leave a comment. Let's keep this conversation open. We'll keep it honest. You will always get that from me. I don't say anything I don't mean. Even if some people think that I'm doing things for clickbait, I just don't necessarily want to think about things exactly the way everybody else does. It's called thinking outside the box. It's called thinking rationally instead of just saying what everybody else is saying. If you have a question, DM me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. If you have a question, leave a comment on the YouTube channel. Let's build this family more and more every day. And it starts with you everydayers. So thank you. We went through what happened last segment to get to here. Michael Bidwell fires Monty, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, and Steve Kahn goes away, okay? Michael Bidwell said, we're going to cast a wide net for the GM and head coaching position. That he did. Monty Austin-Fort, formerly of the New England Patriots, had a handful of Super Bowl rings there, was, was then the assistant GM in Tennessee, took him, added Dave Sears, uh, an executive from, from Detroit, added Jonathan Gannon, a first-time head coach, and we're off to the races. So, the good things that have happened so far. Jonathan Gannon is a human being. I've gone on multiple publications, podcasts, radio shows, and I've said, Jonathan Gannon's a weirdo. And I mean that with the utmost respect in a good way. Because what we've had last season was a robot. What we had in 2019 was a robot. 2020, robot. 2021, robot. It's good that Jonathan Gannon shows personality. Look at what I always equate him to Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel is a human being on the sidelines. He's a goober. He's a weirdo. He's an, he's a genius when it comes to football, and he's a great leader. You can be all of those things. Now, you don't have to be Bill Belichick. You can show emotion. And Jonathan Gannon is, is, a, is an eccentric, eccentric dude, and that's awesome. Okay? So that's one thing. Monty Osfort nailed the draft. We're going to find a lot more out about Jonathan Gannon from now on, but by all accounts – He's the leader of this team from the coaching position. And I've said this before, and I'll continue to say this throughout the year, because there's going to be growing pains across all facets of this team. But I see this coaching staff 
many, most of whom have never held the position they currently do as a cabinet with Jonathan Gannon being the president. It's going to be groupthink. It's going to be a team effort. And that's okay. That's what you build cohesion from a coaching staff to where a team with the players trust that coaching staff, all players and coaches trust the executives, Monty Osford specifically and Dave Sears, and on and on they go, hopefully into perpetual functionality away from the doghouse that this team has been in pretty much since its inception. So this is a springboard to the future. So the things we do know that have been going well since removing the last regime is Michael Biddle has done everything he said he was going to do. We're not talking about the egregious allegations about how he treats employees. That is something that will never be taken away. That was something that will never be forgiven. And that's why I've discussed a lot about picturing Monty Osifort down, Monty Osifort down to the coaching staff, to the players as a wedding tent that happened, you know, in inclement weather where people have weddings underneath the tent inside State Farm Stadium. The Cardinals can be successful with Michael Bidwell as the owner because Michael Bidwell really has no direct correlative to the play on the field. Aside from players not wanting to play here because he's the owner. I feel like this year is a prove it year. And I've talked about this a lot as well, not for players to come in and prove that they are deserve another contract, but for the Arizona Cardinals to prove to free agents that they're a different organization. Now they're in Arizona Cardinals in name only. And these are the things you're slowly going to start to see, hopefully shift positively because the old regime is out. Michael Biddle knows he messed up over the last decade or so and knows things need to be changed. Let the football people do the football things. He sits up, writes the checks, makes the money, and that's it. What's uncertain about this front office and new head coaching staff is they're all unproven in their specific roles. Jonathan Gannon led arguably the best defense in the NFL last year, them in San Francisco, probably give San Francisco the leg up. Yes, Patrick Mahomes ate him up in the second half of the Super Bowl. Not an original story. Ask San Francisco how that happened. Same thing. Jonathan Gannon led the best defensive line in football last year, tied with San Francisco, the best overall defense tied with San Francisco, and that's the guy that's going to be leading the Arizona Cardinals next year. Could be a lot worse. Monty Austinfort, Super Bowl pedigree, just nailed the draft. Drew Petsick was a quarterback coach in Cleveland. They won a lot of games with Jacoby Brissett. They probably shouldn't have won, especially with their skill position players outside of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Nick Rallis, linebackers coach with Philly. Pretty good linebackers last year, including the former Arizona Cardinals on Reddit. So while there's uncertainty, just like the draft picks from this season in Paris Johnson and B.J. Ojolari and Garrett Williams and John Gaines and Michael Wilson, these coaches have checked the necessary boxes in an effort to get the promotions that they've gotten. So these aren't just, you know, ancillary pieces. They're like, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. That sounds like a good idea for an OC. These guys have checked the boxes up until this point to get the new jobs that they've been given. Now, the fact that they're all given first-time positions with one team, is that a little abstract and, and oblong? Sure. But it doesn't mean that it's not going to work. That just gives the uncertainty more ammo because we have no idea what the hell is going to happen with this coaching staff. We do know that it's not the last head coach, and that is a massive benefit. This guy, John Gannon, has had chops in the NFL for a long time. He want, I, I believe the story, he got hurt in college. He's like, you know what? I'm going to be a coach. I'm going to be a recruit. All of these guys have deep, deep roots in scouting. I mean, 
Jonathan Gannon and Monty Osborne specifically. So this is the gift that could keep on giving, especially if the momentum gets rolling immediately in 2023. So what are we looking at in 2023 for measurables? Competency. Culture shift. Not making the same mistakes over and over and over again, like we saw for the last four years of the last head coach. Having the players buy in, smiling, having players prepared for Sunday, Thursday, whatever it is, Saturday, it doesn't matter. The last thing I remember about the last head coach was when the Cardinals had 10 plus wins, they went to Detroit and they got trounced on the road when they had the best record in football. It's like, that's all you need to know about the last head coach. There is no way that he elevated the talent the Cardinals had. The Cardinals players played well or they didn't, and he did nothing to help it one way or the other. He was a play caller who happened to be the head coach. He was a, he was a PE teacher. He was, he was coaching recess. He had a shiny whistle, and that was it. Jonathan Gannon commands something different than Cliff Kingsbury doesn't, actually being a part of winning organizations as an integral part of the coaching staff. Cliff Kingsbury never did that. So what the Cardinals have now is box-checked-wise – Men in positions for success based upon their pedigree up until this point. And that's all you can ask for. So what you're looking for in 2023, checking box-wise, infrastructure, building trust from the players, leading this organization, and watching young players grow, mature, develop, and turn into what could be stars, something that Steve Keim never did with his draft classes, save Buda Baker, Kyler Murray, where he ran out of post, and maybe a handful of others. This is a new regime, Arizona Cardinals 2.0, and it starts this week. What should we look at as we go into training camp? I'll touch on that for a minute, but I'm going to really hit it you know, later this week. DeAndre Hopkins in a different spot. We got to hit that too. Lockdown Cardinals, your team every day. So here's the thing. This is not your grandparents' Arizona Cardinals, or at least we'd like to think. Hopefully it is still, but it's a different mold. It's a different frame. It's just different. And there's just a couple things that we need to see right away. What we need to see right away is... There's so many different, like, I have like a list of words that I want to use here. But going into camp, you need to see seriousness. You need to see urgency. You need to see guys showing up every day, busting their ass like Larry Fitzgerald did during camp, during practices. No more fruit breaks. No more cell phone breaks during, during meetings. This is new. And that's what you need to see right away. Okay. These like this season is not going to be measured by wins and losses. This season will be measured by resolve, by how hard players hit, by how prepared they are, by how well the rookies are developing. And that's the big thing for me. And I've talked about this a lot and I'll continue to talk about it. 
Paris Johnson Jr., BJ Ojolari, Garrett Williams, John Gaines, Michael Wilson. And you can throw Control Clark in there also if he if he can become a slot corner for the for the future. If four of those five guys pan out, if three of those five guys pan out, and you know right away if they will, like, and you know this season, oh boy, the Cardinals got to steal with Michael Wilson in the third. The Cardinals got to steal with Garrett Williams in the third, who dropped just because he got injured last year at Syracuse. Oh, Paris Johnson Jr., yep, you can almost cut DJ Humphreys now because he's going to move to left to left tackle for the future. That saves the Cardinals high premium draft capital to draft positions like that in the next year's draft. So they can focus on other things. But like say Garrett Williams is a, it doesn't work and it doesn't work this year. And they're kind of like, mm, can he be a CB1? They may have to draft a cornerback one in the first round, depending on where things drop next year or the second round. If Paris Johnson Jr. struggles, hmm, maybe they need to draft a right tackle to shore up Kyler Murray's offensive line. Michael Wilson, mm, that means they have to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Go listen or watch one of my podcasts. And it's, I think it was in the last week. The target was, do the Cardinals have to draft Marvin Harrison Jr.? Is he a must draft? If Michael Wilson comes out and gets rookie offensive rookie of the year votes this year because he balled out, we can have a conversation where the Cardinals may benefit more by trading that pick if it's in the top three for two first round picks and two second round picks instead of drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. We can and we can invite that conversation in if Michael Wilson balls out this year. So the start point for the Cardinals now through the end of the 2023 season is how many young stars are on this roster? Because if the more young stars, the more you can use high draft capital in other positions, which is how you build a team organically and what Monty Osafor has put in place ever since trading back from three to 12, even though they traded back up to six, he still kept the first round pick next year. They've got a handful of picks in the first three rounds next year. I said this was a two off season and two draft process. And that is exactly what it's set to be. If the Cardinals rookies can ball out this year and they're going to get plenty of time to play, there's going to be no pressure on them to perform, just like unlike Steve Keimer, he threw Marco Wilson in as CB2 when he wasn't ready, threw Byron Murphy in as, as CB1 when he wasn't ready. Part of that was because Patrick Peterson got popped for PEDs as a cheater. These players will be able to learn and evolve and grow as young men and as NFL players without any pressure because the Cardinals have no pressure to win this year. So we're going to get to see them in their element, loose, ready to play every week. And we will tell by the end of the season how many of those guys save the Cardinals' top draft picks for next year where they could use and allocate those th that capital to other positions in an effort to continue to grow out this roster. That's the most important thing from now to the end of the 2023 season is the rookies, the second-year players, Isaiah Simmons, how many draft picks can this team save because of who they already drafted. This is a new conversation we're having because Steve Kime did the Cardinals zero help. It was always, well, let's just hope he figures it out next year. 11th year is a charm. 12th year is a charm. It's different now. They've drafted good players. Let's see if the coaching staff can massage them and develop them in a way that we haven't seen from a coaching staff from the Cardinals in a long time. And let's see if we're talking the beginning of next season with Cardinals have four fringe pro bowlers who they drafted last year. It changes the trajectory of an organization. Seemingly overnight, two off-seasons, two drafts is what it really takes. And the Cardinals have positioned themselves through at least one off-season and one draft to do just that. Let's see what happens as training camp starts this week. And I'll be with you every step of the way. Lockdown Cardinals, your team every day. Follow me on Twitter, Clancy's Corner. Oh, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins signed with the Titans. Who cares? I'll talk to you tomorrow.